As a lot of you guys know, my daily driver is a 2007 Infiniti FX35 Sport. It's about time I put some money into it. Can't just drive the NSX around all the time looking nice. Want to get some wheels? For over a decade, 4Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They're dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need for a custom look and added functionality. I was talking about a wheel and tire package. Head over and use a configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so go get outfitted today. Visit them at 4Wheel Online. That's 4Wheel Singular Online. the hard parking podcast i'm your host jay finning so it's sponsored by right honda out of scottsdale arizona if you guys haven't seen the video that i did with my friend tyson hugie i think i talked about it on the last episode but check it out on the youtube page hard parking podcast or hard parking media subscribe hit the little bell icon so you see the videos as they drop i'm going to try to get better at that but i need your help so i had mentioned that I am just getting over COVID and I think I'm good now. Although when I sneeze, it's like a tiny bomb goes off in my head and I'm disoriented for 30 to 40 minutes after that. What does it feel like? You ever get water up your nose? It's like if someone were to hang me upside down and put about three drops of water in one of my nostril, just enough to kind of like make you want to smack the back of your head, but you're still functional. That's kind of what it feels like. And I'm going to talk about something real quick because I think we're all guilty of this at some point within the last year, or most of us are. It's this funny thing where, you know, you go out and you're in public and you wear your mask because you don't want to obviously get anything. And so you go to stores and masks are required. And I know I've talked about this before, sort of, but just just bear with me. Oh, by the way, coming up, John Watts, former Acura senior manager of the NSX project team, recently retired. Great conversation, fun conversation. Anyway, so even, let's take Home Depot. When I go to Home Depot, I always have my mask. And when I get out of the car, most of the people have their mask on before they even get in the building. And a lot of people still have their mask on when they're walking to their car. So we do the same because we don't know anybody and we don't want to get sick or we don't want to spread our illness. But as soon as you get around family and friends, it's like, okay, are you sick? You're sick. You're good. You're good. You're good. And then everyone takes their masks off. And so it's like, we're all in the same house with your family and friends and nobody has their masks on because you just trust that, hey, I know them. That's my friend. I know my friend. So since you know them, you can't get sick from them. It's kind of a weird thing, right? I think we're all guilty of that. So we go to, I'm going to make up some names here, okay? Bonnie and Clark. So Bonnie, Bonnie, friend of my wife, calls and says, hey, come to our birthday party for so-and-so. Like, all right, so we go to this birthday party. It's outside. Everybody has your masks on because you're supposed to put your mask on as you're walking to your table, take your mask off, blah, blah, blah. Bonnie? Who did I say the other name was? Bonnie? I forgot what I just said. So we're going we're gonna to call them Bonnie and Clyde. That's, that's easier, right? Anyway, so Bonnie invites us over. We're out there, and we're sitting down, and, and Bonnie's like, hey, you guys should come over afterwards. Anyone going to come over afterwards? We're going to have some drinks, blah, 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 blah. You know, everyone does that shit. 
So I look over at Yvette and I'm like, I don't know, you want to go? She goes, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I want to go. And I said, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to go either. Yeah, let's not go. Let's just go home after this. So like, all right, we'll go home after this. Cool. Plan, solid, locked. That's your lock of the week. So as we all wrap up, it's like Bonnie says, hey, you guys coming over? Of course, my wife. Yeah, yeah, we'll, 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 we can go over there for a little bit, right? A couple of drinks, we'll, we'll, just for a little bit. So, all right, lock of the week. So we go over there and we hang out. And I spend most of my time outside, fire pit. My wife's inside the whole time. So we're there for like two hours at least. It feels like two hours, two and a half hours. And she's standing there because you know the thing that the, that the women do. You stand around this the little island in the middle of the small kitchen and you all drink and talk about stupid shit. And I'm outside by the fire pit the whole time. We get home a couple of days later. Wife's not feeling very good. And so we spent New Year's Eve by herself. And I said, hey, call your friend. Call Bonnie and ask Bonnie if anybody else got sick. So she calls Bonnie, and Bonnie goes, no, nobody got sick. No one, yeah, yeah my mom's a little ill, but she's always ill. Yeah, but other than that, everybody else is fine. We're like, oh, okay, it's kind of weird. Well, whatever. So my wife tells her other friend, like a couple of days later after my wife takes a test, and I'm still, you know, we're both going through shit, although I didn't take the test. And my wife's other friend, Katie, Katie says, oh, you guys didn't know that Bonnie's husband, Clyde, tested positive like that week? No, we did not know that. Good looking out, Bonnie and Clyde. Way to represent. And here's the thing. We've gone places with these people. We were pretty disappointed. Now, we weren't irate, and she didn't call her out, none of that kind of stuff. But my mother-in-law is high risk. My mother-in-law, she is as high risk as you're going to get. She gets sick, she's done. However, she had actually left, like the day after we went to this party, to stay over at my brother-in-law's house. It's hard to record with these fucking cars driving by. That was a Honda Civic, by the way. And it's a little exhaust. I got to get a sound blaguer for this window. I got to do it. You guys have no idea how much I have to edit out. Anyway, fortunately, my mother-in-law wasn't here the whole time. So I told my wife, I said, you know what? As disappointing as this is, we can't focus on what it could have been. We're just lucky and fortunate on what it was. So, yeah, we're disappointed, but we both got through it. Like half my taste buds shut off. I lost my sense of smell completely. We both did for a little while, and it comes back and goes away, comes back. I think I'm good now, though. I think I'm good. Good to move forward. I can start drinking. Thank God, because my wife would not let me drink the whole time. That was a long time not to drink. Coming up, John Watts. Hey, guys, it's time for the social media highlight of the week. Sponsored by Kuya Automotive, currently specializing in new and used NSX parts. NSX owners, hurry up and head over to Kuya Auto and inquire about group buy special pricing or on Instagram at Kuya underscore automotive. That's Kuya Automotive, where big brother's looking out for you. Today's guest is former NSX strategy team leader of the Acura NSX from Acura senior manager, John Watts. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Jay. Good to be here. I know that sounded pretty formal. Um, that's probably the, the most formal I've ever said or talked to you about anything <laughs> at any time that I've ever come across you in the past. So, <laughs> oh, that's fine. It goes with the territory, I guess. So this is our first real conversation because any other time I've seen you, it's been at some sort of a fancy event. We've already had two or three beers and it's just a bunch of people just relaxing after the fact. So I don't, I mean, I'm not drinking right now, but, um, <laughs> You just retired. You just recently retired from Acura in, in December. And so as an extension of Honda, 
in some level of Honda and Acker. You've been with the company. The, the furthest I could, I could reach back is the late 90s. Is that correct? Yeah, I joined uh, the company actually in 1987 in January. And just my uh, career ended there with uh, just under 34 years of service at American Honda between Honda and Acura. It's been wonderful. That's a lot of time. There's a lot of things that have happened in the automotive industry and just in, in the world in the last 30-something years. You've seen a lot of change. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Like, tell me what 30 years ago John Watts was doing. 30 years ago, I was working in the Honda North America Risk Management Department. And at that time, we were dealing with a slew of three-wheel all-terrain vehicle lawsuits, product liability lawsuits. So I came in, I started my career in risk management at Honda. I came to California on a fluke. I was working at General Motors in Lansing, Michigan, um, at a manufacturing plant building the Buick Riata, two-seater sports car. I don't know if you remember that, but (laughs) came out uh, from Michigan and took a look around Southern California, hadn't ever been here, and uh, said, wow, this is paradise compared to Lansing, Michigan. Landed on Saturday. Took a look at the LA Times on Sunday and saw a job posted there. Called on Monday, interviewed on Wednesday, and the rest of it has just kind of fallen into place. I don't know too many people. I mean, here we are in, in 21. I don't think people are looking in the newspaper for jobs. Now, hell, I, even I'm old enough to remember flipping through the paper trying to find <laughs> some employment. Are jobs still posted in the newspaper? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't. That's a good question. That's it's amazing because now what is it? It's it's freaking, you know, Indeed and in and LinkedIn and, you know, all these other other uh, online platforms. But, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting, man. So, yeah. So every day I met with attorneys and uh, we reviewed cases throughout the country and we established an amount that we needed to reserve with our insurance carriers or to set aside in cash. And uh, we signed a consent decree in uh, 91, worked our way out of the cases. I had always loved cars and loved Honda products and wanted to get closer to the product. So I interviewed in 1991 for a spot in the Honda product planning group and got it. And uh, my first real responsibility was the 96 Civic. And it was the first car we had uh, developed in the United States completely. And the president said, you know what, you're going to be joining a, a development team that's forming in Ohio. Uh, you'll be working from California, but I want you to go out and find what people want in the next Civic. Huh. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, you're just going to have to figure it out. And as a part of this team, uh, you need to fight for what customers want and make sure that, that those things are included in the car. So I went out and uh, we ultimately as a team went to 16 cities, talked to current owners, uh, people who defected to other brands, found out what we wanted or what they wanted and incorporated that into the development. And that 96 Civic was a a great success as a result of all that work. That was the first, and I'm using air quotes here, that was the first kind of larger Civic, if I recall correctly, because before that they were just kind of a smaller, even the the four-door that people were putting the GSR motors in, like the 92s are kind of small compared to those. Yep, that was the first big Civic. And that's one of the things that people were asking for was more room yeah. inside as well as in the trunk. 
So and then what the SI came? Did you have involvement in the in the SIs? Yeah. Yep. And then uh, for the next gen Civic, I still worked with um, the Honda team and doing development for the Prelude and other cars in the late '90s, and then. Um, as a result of working with uh, media, I uh, was asked to move to New York City and work in the PR department. And with the PR group, I led up uh, the launch of the UK-produced Civic three-door hatchback. We did the launch in Germany, and it was at the same time, it was the same day as 9-11. So we arrived in Germany mm, on 9-11, yeah. and um, wow, that was a, a crazy, crazy time. I have the newspapers. I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Everybody knows where they were at the time. And I was, we were on break actually in the Varnum building, worked for DTE Energy. And we were walking past. I was like, wow, it's kind of early for people to be huddled around the bar in this, <laughs> in this building. And then, you know, a buddy of mine, BJ and I, we walked over there and kind of looked like, is that, is that happening right now? That's happening right now. I mean, that's good Lord, man. So it was surreal. Let's go back to, I guess, or, or fast forward. So what exactly does it mean to be a manager of a strategy team for any given model, whether it's the NSX or the Honda Odyssey? Like, what exactly does that job title mean? Well, it, it depends on when you get into the job. But if you start in that job from the very beginning, it's analyzing the marketplace, uh, looking at what the company needs to uh, improve the image or develop a vehicle that we don't currently have. So in the case of any vehicle, you uh, work with a small development team and say, here is what we have in mind. Uh, we want a car that can do this. Uh, we want it to be priced at this price point. We want uh, it to deliver this level of performance. And then it's a give and take. And something that's unique with the Acura and Honda system is that everyone basically works together from the very beginning. So you have the sales and marketing people will ultimately sell the car and you have a development team that does all of the design on the exterior and interior and then all of the development of the hard pieces the powertrain suspension and everything else that goes into it and then you also work with the the people at the factory who are going to produce it and it's always a tug of war between those three factions we call it sed sales engineering and development that ultimately uh, come together to make a, a wonderful product in a lot of companies that build any anything especially cars you have uh, somebody that designs it the designers hand it off to uh, the engineers who can then build everything else that goes on the inside of it and then it's handed off to the sales group so while that works for some companies it certainly hasn't worked for us and i think it's that tension that is between those three factions that have allowed us uh, to make some pretty awesome vehicle is there ever kind of a uh, an interesting like okay so the left hand is always waiting for the right hand in a sense to where let's say in some other companies one side just goes off and does their own thing or they just sit around and wait for the other company or the other part of the the, the organization to say, okay, here it is, go out and make it work. Is there ever a, a point where you're working together and everything's good and, and no one can make a decision? 
it's almost a funny question because I think that's the case with anywhere in corporate America. But, you know, does it still spill over into the auto industry or is there somebody at the top saying, absolutely, this is what you do? Like, like we see Ford and Ford v. Ferrari. He's up there and he's like, this is what we're doing. Or yeah. is it you're just waiting on a whole table to figure it out? It depends on the vehicle and its level of maturity. So if you have a, a vehicle that's like a, a Honda Civic, it's fairly well known and the guy at the top may say, you know, we need to do something different with this, but isn't as heavy handed as that. And he says he'll throw down the gauntlet to say, this is what we need to do with this. It needs to be uh, the next uh, level of performance. It, this needs to be our uh, high volume vehicle, whatever it is, and we'll set the general direction. But it's not as heavy handed uh, at the top of the organization as it in our place, as it, it, it is in other organizations. Let me ask you this. And, and kind of a parallel question. So you've been on both sides of the house. For those of us on the outside looking in, and I'm speaking a lot more or less to, to a lot of my listeners, how different is it on the Honda side versus the Acura side? Or are all the processes essentially the same? Or is it basically, this is the line, we're all living in the same house, but this is the line right here, and you don't, you don't really cross it? Uh, we all live in the same house. We're all one big family, but certainly there are things that, we want to do with Acura, and you know, one of the things is increasing the level of performance. Acura is a performance brand, so we really want to focus on that, and that's one of the, I'll call it seasonings that's very different in Acura than with Honda. Um, so, yeah, while well, the processes are the same, the, the targets are different between Honda and Acura, and um, what we're trying to do with Acura is, again, it's not, we don't intend it to be a high-volume brand like Honda. Right. So there are different parameters and we do things, take more, I guess, dares with styling and uh, again, focusing more on performance. And that's a little bit different than Honda. Speaking of dares, so that new Civic is coming out. People are kind of losing their minds over that, over that thing. Do you have thoughts on that thing? Or are you allowed to have thoughts on that thing? It looks pretty good. It looks, I, it looks like a luxury car. It does. You know, I, uh, I've talked to people that have been involved in the development of that, and uh, it looks very BMW. It looks really, really upscale. And if you look at every Civic, it it has continued to evolve over time to become a more sophisticated car. So I think this will be the, the most sophisticated Civic ever. It looks pretty darn good. And that's the thing. Some of the feedback you say, well, it looks like a, it looks like a Volkswagen, or it looks like an Audi. It looks like, I was like, well, that's a good thing, right? Like, what do you want it to look like? Like, what do you want it to perform like? You want it to perform like the people who were spending the money on those cars, but now they don't have to. Mm -hmm. And then Civics aren't cheap, you know, but right. I wouldn't call them expensive either. You know, I, I think it's a pretty good direction. So, yeah, I have high hopes for that, that vehicle. I'm anxious to see it uh, come to market. I listened to your interview or watched your interview with, with BC Motors from, from, uh, from last year. And one of the things that you had mentioned and he had asked you about the car was, and I, maybe I remembered, maybe I knew this, but I forgot, but you had mentioned the fact that the, the new car and by the new car, we're talking about the, the 2017 plus NSX mm -hmm. that we call the NC1 NSX. No, yep. the, the seats aren't adjustable at all. Like they don't slide forward or backward. Is it just the steering wheel, the pedals? Is anything adjust? Something has adjust, right? Oh yeah. The, the seats are on a, a traditional track just like any other seat yeah those those seats move okay just not maybe not a lot of room because i know there's like zero storage like you might be able to put 
maybe a file folder behind you, but you're no longer putting like a small briefcase or anything. No, maybe that no, was it, it. Yeah, the interior wasn't really designed to accommodate anything behind the seats. Yeah. One of the things that you had also mentioned and I thought it was really neat. And I don't know how many other car manufacturers are doing this because I'm usually not in the market to buy and, and, and the symbol. Like I do the thing that millions of Americans do is we go to the website mm-hmm. and it says, build your vehicle. You know, so we start picking all of our cool colors and options and all that kind of stuff. And we sit there and we look at the final price and it asks us if we want it to be contacted by a nearest dealership. And at that point, we just close the browser and say no. Uh-huh. But with, the <laughs> with building an NSX, I saw that we have an option to, you know, pick a tour package for the PMC performance mm-hmm. manufacturing center over in, in Ohio. But you right. had said though, there's a point in that manufacturing. Again, this is if I build my own NSX, not buy one off the lot, where I can go there and I can turn a wrench at least maybe once on my own vehicle. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh typically uh by the time you arrive, the majority of the car has been completely assembled and you put the final touches on like putting the badge on and you're in the car with one of our engineers when the thing all comes together and is fired up and put on the dyno all at one time. But as you go down the line and uh, see other vehicles that are being built and assembled, uh, you have the opportunity to turn the wrenches on, on those cars. Nice. Yeah. So you had said something about, and I'm not going to ask you if there's a new NSX coming out. You know, I, I know all the information I need to know. Uh-huh. And, but one of the things you did say is when he asked you about it or somebody on his, on his feed had asked you about the new car and your response was you wouldn't be, you were noncommittal, but you said, stay tuned. Now mm-hmm. by saying that, do you get your hand slapped? Like you can get in trouble for something like that. And especially someone like you from the PR aspect or the risk oh, aspect, sure. are there people back there like, Oh, face palm, damn it, John. Uh, oh yeah. So our line is we don't discuss future product and that's just the the way it is and we always want to focus on the the product that we need to sell at hand and that's why you know we don't want to tip our hand to the competitors or to anyone else we're always looking to continuously improve our product throughout its life cycle and i know firsthand that company is incredibly buttoned up do you remember michael cow yeah absolutely okay of ic 3d printing and i did a lot of work with him on, on my car for SEMA, but I remember I had sent him this, 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 this questionnaire and it had good fun questions, but nothing that would reveal any secrets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was for NSX driver magazine. And, and he answered all the questions and I made sure, okay, I didn't ask anything crazy. And then right. I put it in front of, in front of uh, Klaus, you know, and Ted was like, Oh, it looks good. And then by the time I got it back from, from risk or PR, it was completely neutered to the point where, it's like, why am I even publishing this thing? This is the most generic, dumb questions, and and um, so that was my experience with how how button thing, how how tight things were buttoned up at, at that place. But I understand it, but it was still one of those things that just felt a little extreme. Yeah, that's just uh, the way the company has always uh, been positioned. We're not fast and loose with information. We don't make outrageous claims or say in 10 years we're going to do this or that we're we're very honest and it's a very factual uh place to work very realistic what are some of your and you could be candid here yeah but you know what is your biggest frustration over the years in dealing with like existing vehicle owners they haven't embraced what the nc1 nsx represents or have even taken the time to look into it enough you know beyond not liking the fact that there's no manual transmission or 
not liking the fact that it has electric motors in it? I think it's just that. It's just not giving it a second look or giving it an opportunity and getting to, to know and understand it. Now, people who do say, you know what, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt and do get in and drive it like yourself. It's a wonderful, wonderful vehicle. And I guess the frustration for me would be for people that don't even give it a chance and don't right. have an open enough mind to say, yeah, this seems like it could be the future as I look around, especially on the, the note about the manual transmission. How many manufacturers still produce a manual transmission? Not many, and it, the count's going down every single year. So the fact that Formula One race cars have abandoned a, a clutch a long, long time ago and yep. uh, now get better performance out of it, that to me should be the indicator of where high-performance cars are going in the future. The fact that people would poo-poo it without even giving it a try is, is really frustrating. So when it comes to just vehicles in general, because there's a lot of things that go into it, for instance, you know, why did we go with this tire over this tire? And we know that part of that is performance. And then mm -hmm. part of that could be something else. What's the biggest thing that just the general public doesn't seem to understand? And, and of course they wouldn't understand, but what's the, what's the biggest thing in your opinion, because you've been in the industry for 30 years, 30 plus years, they don't understand when it comes to developing a car from concept to the dealership lot. Oh, I, I think going back to, again, one example is the manual transmission. To develop a, a manual transmission for uh, an NC1 would be incredibly expensive. And the fact that a lot of people might not want it and are looking for something that would deliver more performance, I, I think is one example. There are things... Uh, maybe even with tires. So for Acura and Honda vehicles, we're always looking to have a low cost of ownership. Mm -hmm. And having a tire that isn't 100% performance oriented in, in that it also, a, a tire developed for that vehicle would also uh, include fuel economy, durability of the tire. So it's not all just one thing. It, it ultimately comes down to What's the best thing to do for the overall ownership for the person buying the car? It's and like a TCO budget, right? Like a total cost of ownership budget yeah. you have to kind of work with. Yeah, and I don't – there are other manufacturers out there that in which that is not such a, a big thing. But for us, it's always a big thing. And to make a car that is just mm, – I'll call it unbalanced because we always try to go for – a better performance balance on a vehicle. That's one thing a lot of people just don't understand what the trade-offs are along the way. Yeah. It's like, well, we, we, we need this because I like this. I remember mm -hmm. watching, there was actually a, a, a heated conversation between a couple of people at NS Expo about having a manual transmission mm -hmm. in the new car. And at that time, the car hadn't even come out yet. And in fact, that all, all we had in Ohio was the blue one that got paraded around. But I remember it's like, guys, it's like, if you want if you want a manual transmission, there's a lot of fun cars out there. You can buy a 1984 Ford Escort GT, and that thing is a freaking <laughs> blast to drive around. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like it doesn't have yeah. to be the 700 horsepower, 600 horsepower car. I mean, it's nice as an option, but you're asking a company to, to dump tens of millions, if not, well, probably more than that, you would know, into mm -hmm. something to satisfy the 1% of the buyers. Yeah. Because I think the car market is more secondhand right? Then mm -hmm. firsthand is, is probably what you've seen over the years. Yep, that's correct. Um, yeah, so there's a trade-off when you 
produce anything. But again, the Acura philosophy and Honda philosophy has always been to provide a, a product that is what the customer is looking for. And again, to do it in volume and to do it with the, the balancing act of putting the best possible product out for the customer. And again, we are a for-profit organization, so we want to make sure that right. uh, we can stay in business. And that's what it's all about. In your industry, man, it must be nice because it's like, okay, here's your here's your car for the week or here's your car for the month. And when you're done, sick, sick of it, then turn your keys in and we'll give you the next cool, cool car to, to parade <laughs> around in. Yeah, it, it's a good thing. When I uh, left, I bought a 2020 RDX and nice. I have a Honda S2000. And from time to time, I'll meet up with people and we have uh, 20 NSXs just up the street. So I can uh, get my fill if I need it. So I'm going to ask you a little about working relationships. And I thought about this question the other day because I'm a contractor in healthcare IT. Right. And I have one or two different jobs a year. Usually it's rare that I'm at the same site for 12 months. It's six months and then I'm going somewhere else and traveling every week. And I'm meeting new people and hanging out with new people and having lunch with people every day. Mm -hmm. What are you going to miss the most? Not about the job, but just about some of the, the working relationships. Like, is there a group of people that you guys go to lunch every day because you just happen to be on the same lunch break that, you know, or you guys go to do this or the same day, or maybe on Tuesday nights, everybody goes and has Taco Tuesday and there's like six of you. And so you're, you don't have to name one person because it's going to alienate everybody else. But like, what are some of those type of things you, you're going to miss the most about? You know, I think it's just the camaraderie. Uh, the things that you talked about certainly do happen, but. Uh, our office space was always open. So people can pop by and have a conversation. John Akeda can stop by and, and chat about whatever's on his mind, or likewise, we can do that. Or, hey, I just heard about this. So it's, it's about being around people who really enjoy what they're doing and um, really enjoy keeping their finger on the pulse of the auto industry and being able to like openly chat about the things that we are all passionate about. So that's the one thing that I'll, I'll definitely miss. It's like-minded people who have like-minded interests. Yeah. And, and right. Cause it's not like every conversation is about work, you right. know, like sports and, and Hey, did you see that movie? And you know, little, little Sarah, you know, busted her kneecap the other day falling off her skateboard, you know, and it's just like, you don't have that same daily interaction. I mean, they're all still your friends, yep. but over, over time, you know, let's say you have 20 of your friends now and in six months, now you talk to 10 of them, you know, and in two years, now you talk to three of them. It's it, that's bound to happen. I think it, it's just tough as you say, take an exit off the freeway and in your career and you're you're going in a slightly different direction. It's, it's inevitable that that type of thing will happen. But I think yeah. that when you work around the same people for a long period of time, you do develop the the friendships that last uh, longer than maybe uh, a shorter term working relationship. Sure. I mean, we've, there's places, so you've moved around a little bit and I'm sure you're still in, in close contact with some of the people that you would work with maybe 15, 20 years ago. So yep. oh, let's get some thoughts about, uh, about just the auto industry in general. So this is a pretty generic question, but yep. I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this. So if you had the power, right, if you had the power to change anything with automobiles over the past two decades, like anything, like in your own fantasy land, you know, what would it be? Like, what would be cool if you could change anything? Like maybe by now cars are flying. If you had the power, mm -hmm. what would you do? 
Hmm, that's a, a very interesting question, and you're right. I have not been asked that. So I'll take a, a quick pause here. I, I think it's really making them as much fun to drive as possible. I have a 04 S2000, and I, I love driving that thing, and it puts a smile on my face every single time. There are a lot of vehicles that I drive that you know, haven't put a smile on my face. So I, I think that it's something that can be a, a vehicle that can be more tailored to your driving situation. I don't know that anybody has really cracked that yet. A car that can be, uh, and maybe uh, NC1 comes the closest as possible. It's still a high performance sports car, but it has different personalities that can be modified to uh, however you're feeling that day. And I, I think that there will be more and more of that in the future. I love that answer. And that kind of rolls into one of the, one of the next questions that I have, everything is kind of trending toward not only hybrid and it's been hybrid for a while, but full EV, you know, what are your, what are your personal thoughts on this direction with, you know, saving the planet with standing? Is it, it, it sounds like it could be a good thing, but it could be a bad thing. Like what, what is John Watts thoughts on this direction? I think that looking at EVs long-term, I, I, they're, becoming significantly more viable than they have been in the past. I think that battery range is continuing to go up and, you know, the other manufacturers have proven that, that they can be fast and, and fun to drive, but there's still something about the feel of an internal combustion engine and the sound yes. of it that people who have left high performance cars and gone into a Tesla, for instance, you know, they say, oh, I love the car, but there's just something lacking in personality. And I always, when talking about EVs, <clears throat> say, okay, that, that's great. The batteries are great. But if you take a look at the whole uh, spectrum of an EV, the energy to, to charge the battery has to come from somewhere. So is that somewhere uh, coal-burning power plant? Is it a nuclear power plant? It, the electricity just, you know, it's just not natural. Where does it come from? Oh, and interesting. It, yeah. Um, so if you take a look at that and say, okay, if it's a uh, solar, yeah, that seems like a good thing or wind activated or anything that doesn't create more emissions for the environment than our very clean internal combustion engines do currently. So I, I think that's my personal philosophy about the thing is, yep, seems good, but uh, is it viable? And then what happens to the vehicle at the end of its life? Or what happens when the batteries are so depleted that they're not rechargeable anymore or they're at, at the end? What do you do with those? So just looking at the entire cycle of an EV, I think is something that uh, needs a little more investigation. Huh. Yeah, you're right. Cause everything is on the front end, right? Okay. I'm going to go get a Tesla. say the plan will look good, feel it's efficient and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But okay. What do you do? That's kind of one of the things that have kind of held me at bay from picking up certain cars right now is mm -hmm. knowing that the technology changes so much, you know, how scalable is it in, in mm -hmm. the future, I guess? Cause I, I mean, you could, you could pump all those cool sounds into the cars cause they're already doing that, but Sure. Now I have these eight batteries in the car mm -hmm. and they weigh a ton. 
And in 10 years, now they're a third of the size, but I can't do anything with these. Like you can't shove a D size battery into a double A AA slot. You just can't do it. Right. Holy shit. I just, I just, I just came up with that. You, you, you know what? You can, you can use that if you want. Yeah. Just make sure you, you, you credit me on the whole battery thing, but. I will. I yeah. will. <laughs> yeah. But, no, but you're, no, right. But you're right. Yeah. The whole notion of a battery powered car is not new. It's been around, you know, in the early 1900s EVs were around. It's just that there's never been a, a way to easily charge them. And then all the other things that we've just talked about as well. So, you know, a classic example is I'm staring at my, my, my gaming computer on the other side of the room right now. Yeah. And I've built it up. The, the motherboard is, is maxed out. I have the best processor for it. I have the best RAM for it. I don't have the best video card for it, but I could buy a newer video card, but the video card outpunts the coverage. Like it's, it's better than the rest of the components. And I'm at a point now with that gaming rig where it's all I can, I can't really do anything with it, but start all over. Yeah. And I think that's the life cycle of an EV and we have to, we have to figure that out, I guess. Yeah. I, I've heard that uh, there are ideas, especially in the Middle East of having one battery that fits multiple cars and you can have, if you're driving long distance, you could stop in to, I'll call it a uh, fueling station, swap out the battery pack. It goes into a rack and is charged and you have your new battery slipped in your car and you're off and running again. To me, that seems like a, a very interesting thing to take a look at. That sounds like an incredible idea. And, and in fact, I think one of the things I'm worried about as you were telling, as you were kind of explaining the future, because I love progress. I love the future. That's why I want a modern car. Right. Is for a lot of us, we like to individualize our builds. Like mm-hmm. I am, when someone says, hey, I think I saw, I saw an Acura, I saw an NSX that looked just like yours. I look at him and say, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're going to wash your mouth out with soap. And all these, like, all these Teslas, they're great. They look the same. And I think for the enthusiast, I think I'm just kind of concerned about customizing and, and making the car an extension of me and my personality in the future as everything just starts to look the same and sound the same and feel the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a challenge for EVs. And uh, I think in the future, it's it will evolve and they will be more customizable or will have better ways to make them personalized to what you like. But here in Southern California, you see black and white Teslas everywhere. Everywhere. And they all look exactly the same. Yeah, they're spilling over here in uh, Scottsdale. It's the same deal. So with all that yeah. being said, what are you excited to see down the road with vehicles? Mm, multiple things come to mind. And I'm thinking about uh, the next evolution of a car like an NC1 that has. Um, Wait a minute. Are you still, just getting ready to break some news here on the hard parking podcast? We're talking to John Watts here, guys. <laughs> no, not at all. But I, I think that the formula that NC1 has is something that'll be around for a while. It has that hybrid powertrain that people have really become accustomed to more and more so, I think, every day. It still gets the rumble and roar that people love of an internal combustion engine. So the fuel economy is there. You have so many things that that brings great satisfaction and a smile to the, the face of people who 
want to drive a performance car. So as you were saying that, you made me think about what were your thoughts of the C8 and was Acura ever really, well, I'm not asking you to speak on behalf of them, but were you ever concerned when that thing hit the market? Because I was listening to another podcast, a a Corvette specific podcast, and Mm -hmm. the host and the guest had mentioned, you know, NSX sales and being on Mm -hmm. the inside, we know what we know and we need to know, but they said, well, Acura needs to really do figure something out with that NSX if they want to keep up with the sales of the, of the C8. I'm I'm sitting there yelling at the podcast. Like that's never (laughs) been the goal. Like that's, yeah. We're talking apples and oranges here, and that's a beautiful yeah. car, but it's completely different markets. Like, what, what, what's your thought on that car and that statement? Uh, I think the statement is completely uh, without a factual basis. That absolutely was not our target. I mean, Corvette has been the leader in uh, sales for a long, long time, and we do get a fair number of people that say, I want something a little bit more unique and uh, give up on the, the Corvette. I think that that car has evolved. It's it's significantly better. Probably the best Corvette ever produced is uh, this new car. Um, but what they want to do with their car and what we want to do with uh, NSX is very, very different. And I think that right. we're going after different buyers and we have different objectives. So, yeah, good for them. They've done something great and, uh, and good for us, too, because uh, the more people – continue to feed that segment of the market, the, uh, the better I think it becomes. Yeah. It's a, it's a good answer. Yeah, for sure. That's a good answer. So what's next for you? Like, are you, you're just going to hang out and go to the cars and coffee with the, <laughs> with the S 2000 every once in a while? Like what's next for John Watts? I mean, this is, yeah, this is a, this I, is a huge void in your life now in oh, a sense. Yeah, it, It's very different in getting, uh, readjusted. It's a weird time with COVID and so many things are, are different than a normal a changing career. I have a list of 58 things that have been building up. And again, it's just stupid things that I've never been able to take care of at home. I have time to do that now. And I'm just going to look around and find out uh, what's out there and you know, really what my stage of life will bring me the most happiness. I've been lucky enough to have a wonderful career working with great people and at a great company and um, going to another manufacturer, I think just would never be able to, at least for me, bring the personal level of satisfaction and joy that I've been able to enjoy at Acura. That's a lot of traveling and stuff too, you know? I mean, it was, and it, it, this is the longest time in my life that I have not been on an airplane. I haven't been on a plane since April, and that is incredibly unusual, and that's been a big adjustment as well. But you we miss the travel? Make, I do, but uh, I'm not anxious to get on a plane and wear a mask the entire time. Uh, travel should be fun. It should be comfortable, and I think right now the um, the requirements of, you know, they're justifiable uh, being safe on a, a flight takes away some of the, the enjoyment. So I'm anxious to see it does. that come back. Yeah. Are you flying? I have flown twice, one for a friend's wedding last July, and then yep. unfortunately one for a funeral a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, you know, the, the first time around they have the spaces and now they're still packing everybody in. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, 
But otherwise, you know, like yourself, I'm used to flying not maybe as much because I think you fly somewhere for like a day, then you fly somewhere else for two days. But I would typically fly somewhere on a Sunday and I would come home on a Thursday night. And those are the two flights of the week or two and a half flights every week. So Mm -hmm. I kind of miss it myself, man. I I miss dinner sometimes, right? I miss the the rental car that I get to drive (laughs) around. And and, and I tell people, I was like, it it doesn't – I don't get anything super cool, but every once in a while they leave something out there on the lot um, where you get kind of the top tier of what any normal traveler could earn. Uh-huh. You have to pay extra for the really cool car, but every once in a while they leave the keys to one of the really cool cars. And so it's like having a new car every <laughs> week. And I, I miss that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, being in a, a different location. It's, you always learn something and you all, I, at least I always leave that and come back home with a, a renewed perspective on things so absolutely yeah so i have um, some quick q a for you if you if you still have time you're still good on time sure yeah i'm good all right and these uh these well three of these come from our our nsx guys and um one of them comes from me so all right so there's a lot of obsessions with the v8 and i kind of yelled at this person for even asking this question but i was like you know what let me just ask you anyway all right mm-hmm. so over the years so why not why not the V8 inspired racing engines from the Indy program into the new NSX or any other of the vehicles? Why are we why are we skipping V8s? Well, we went down the path of doing a, a V8 and a V10 in 2006, seven. That's the HSE, and, right? Yeah, and when things completely crashed, we had a, an NSX, a V10 NSX that we were nearing uh, bringing to market, and. You know, looking back on it, it was an interesting uh, vehicle. It was a, a beast. And we had a, a V8 lined up for other products. But in the end, I think that our corporate philosophy has always been to do things, bring out as much power as we possibly can. And again, it goes back to that balance of of being able to provide the power, but yet have the performance, make it available at a reasonable price, making sure that it doesn't consume gasoline. So that, ding, it just, ding. yeah, it just doesn't really click. Yeah. Cause us. as you were saying that, it's like, I, there's a lot of us, you know, us, there's a lot of us that have hundred thousand, 150,000, 200,000, 300,000 miles on the odometer. And we drove across the country multiple times. I don't really see that being as, as efficient or as feasible at seven miles per gallon. No. Not at all. I, yeah, I think uh, making more power with less is uh, the way to go. And if you look around and if you look into what's going on in racing as well, it, it's evolving. It's uh, smaller displacements, uh, six-cylinder vehicles. Even in IMSA, uh, Mazda's running a four-cylinder. So, yeah, it's evolution. Isn't the Super GT, and they, and they were at some point, but with the new new body NSXs, aren't they running like turbo fours? I've heard that, yes. Yeah, I think those are running turbo fours, you know? And then, of course, the Ford GT is a V6, EcoBoost. Yeah. When dealing with people, okay, what's one character trait you embrace the most and why? It's a good question, isn't it? I, yeah, it, it's a good question. I like, in, in dealing with people, people that have the ability to listen and understand what you're trying to uh, communicate before they jump in and have the answer. 
as leaders in anything, the people, the, the best leaders always listen to those that are around them and make the most informed decision. And people who jump too quickly to a conclusion are problematic. So I like those that, okay, uh, let me listen to uh, what you have to say and I can learn something from it. I really appreciate that. And, and conversely, people who just don't want to take the time, they know everything. That's a problem for me. Yeah, me as well. It's like it's one of the principles of being an effective communicator is being an effective listener. Absolutely. And so many people don't seem to possess that. Yeah. Do you have a go-to comfort food? Mm. God, comfort food, isn't that such a vague thing, first off? Yeah. Uh, comfort. Let me Not, reframe this for you. Yeah. Because I asked Billy Johnson the same thing yesterday when I had him on, but you're driving down the road, you're hungry. You can do eat, pull over and eat whatever you want. Where are you getting? Probably a bag of potato chips. Nice. I am a chip freak. What chips? Are we talking plain Lay's? No, nope, we're, we're talking specifically Cape Cod waffle cut. They're hard to find these days. But, man, there's just something about those things that are addictive. I could sit down and eat a whole bag at a time. Cape Cod waffle cut. Now, waffle cut plain or waffle cut barbecue or? No, plain. Plain, okay. I think Cape Cod makes sweet Maui onion chips too. I believe they do. Their range has really um, expanded, but they're waffle cut sea salt. I'm looking at a bag of them right now. I used to have this thing with the sweet Maui onions because – and you can appreciate this because, you know, you, you rack up points as you go to hotels. So yep. once you have enough points, they decide to give you a, a welcome gift, which is usually a really small bottle of water and a bag of potato chips. Like, thanks. For, <laughs> I've just spent $50,000 in your hotel. Thanks for the potato chips and waffles or, and, and, and water. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's one of the bags was always sweet Maui onion. And mm. uh, so it's kind of a joke between my, myself and others. And people to this day, it's been years since I've done that, but people to this day, every once in a while, they send me pictures on social media of a sweet Maui onion <laughs> potato bag. So, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, and then good. Uh, they're good. Yeah, man. And, and I like the crunchy chips. So, yeah, I got to get some of those Cape Cod waffle cut. And then yeah. uh, I like, like, the, like the kettle chips. I love the, the crunch, the hard crunch of a kettle chip. So, I'm right there with What's what to enjoy a bag of chips together when all this stuff is, is over and done with? I'd love it. It'll be our secret. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this one comes from me. Yeah. And in, in your industry, there's times where I'm sure you're, you're out there and you're driving other vehicles just to kind of get a feel for them. Because I remember seeing like the development of the, of the newer NSX and you have like the Porsche and you have the, the R8 and you have the blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. What's the most disappointing vehicle you've driven and it could be a nice vehicle, but as far as just kind of let you down on what you were expecting. And it doesn't even have to be a performance vehicle. It'd just be like, man, I can't wait to get behind the seat of this or get in the seat of this behind the wheel. And wow, this is nothing. Hmm. You know, I guess I am probably the least impressed by Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Um, I get in and you know, the performance is usually there especially with amg but there's just something that it doesn't feel right and i always get out shut the door and say wow that that's kind of a miss (laughs) yeah yeah i think with with some of those too at least for a while it was like if you if you want a good one you have to get like their 
like their AMG C63. But if you get anything less, mm -hmm. it's it's lifeless type of deal. Yeah, yeah, it's it's surprisingly disappointing. Huh. And you see things that break and fall apart, and that I just if it's something I can see that is a trim piece falling off or something like that. It's like, okay, what, what's happening that I can't see that's going to end up costing a lot of money. You know, I had a, I recently had rendered and I got some slack for this cause I had talked about it, made a video uh, at the time. This is a 2020 Tahoe LTZ, mm. I think. Okay. And I enjoyed driving the vehicle, but as I looked around, I had it for a week and it had pros and cons, but it just looked like something. It felt like something that was just going to feel old in 18 months from now. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of one of those things I kind of look at. I, I knock around in the panels and I see what's what might be already making a noise or the styling is look really nice, but it was nice like a year ago and it's going to look dated in two years type of deal. So I can definitely mm -hmm. appreciate that. You know, it, it's interesting that you talked about vehicles that are available in a rental lot. I uh, last year, as you know, Acura was the sponsor of Sundance and Acura sponsored it for a long time, but went over to do some pre-planning in the fall and at the lot, they said, you know what? We're out of just about everything, but we have a, a Camaro convertible. And I thought, Hmm, that'd be kind of interesting. And I couldn't get out of the thing fast enough. It was, it, <laughs> it vibrated and rattled and squeaked. And it was probably one of the worst modern cars I've driven in a very, very long time. So that might be the, the taker or the kicker. You know, speaking of, of, of rental, well, first off, I'll say that the, the Camaro 2 SS is one of my favorite rental cars I've ever driven, but it's still just because you don't have to worry about seeing out of it. You just hit the gas and it's just, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and that's yeah. one of the cars every once in a while they would just put in the wrong lot. And I, I being a car guy, I would recognize like, oh, damn, oh. Yeah. But why, why doesn't Honda and the, well, this is the America, right? In America, Honda and Acura do not do fleet rentals. Why? Um, it is a long standing philosophy in that, again, it goes back to the total cost of ownership. If you are dependent upon, um, rental car fleets, which are very up and down all over the place, you really can't control your business. And if Hertz decides to dump uh, several of any manufacturer's cars out into the used car marketplace, the, the values plummet. And mm. if you are, if you buy a Honda or Acura, that's, um, you will always find that the resale values are incredibly high. And that's one of the reasons because we keep them out of the used car market by not playing the game with rental cars. That that makes that makes perfect sense. I always wondered because it's like, man, and but it was it was odd because when I was in in Hawaii, we had that ability. It's like, oh, that's a TLX. I could I could take it. I've driven mm -hmm. one, so I'm not going to. But it's weird mm -hmm. to see that TLX sitting there, you know. Or it's weird to kind of actually see a Honda Accord sitting there as an available rental. Yeah, some uh, dealers. Uh, we'll work out an arrangement with uh, a locally owned uh, Hertz uh, yeah. company or Avis or something, but corporately, that's just something we haven't participated in. The reasons I've pointed out. 
That makes a lot of sense. John, I want to thank you for joining joining the show, man. I, I thank you for uh, carving out the time, and, and hopefully we can connect at some point. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, happy to do it. Good chatting with you. Thanks, John. Okay, Jake. You take care. I want to thank John Watts for coming by the show again. Wow, 34 years at one company in the modern era is not a very common thing. Had to see a lot of things change during that time. Wish we had more time. Could have picked his brain more on just how the industry itself has has kind of changed over that over that period. But uh, didn't want to bore you guys with too much car talk. I would tell you how to find him on social media, but he's not really that big on social media. You could always reach out to him on Facebook, John Watts, W-A-T-T-S. But I can't guarantee you that he will accept your friend request. So hopefully he finds something to do because that's a lot of time, man. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of years, especially traveling all the time for a job like that to go on from traveling to not traveling. And I get it. I understand how that goes. Probably had some nicer meals, probably had some, some nicer rental cars than I did. But, um, you guys know what? It's time for the Q and a segment sponsored by NSX show on Instagram, your number one source of NSX content. So how does this work? I answer your questions and how do I get your questions? I ask you on social media, I ask you on, on Instagram on my main page, NA2NSX or JTravels, J-H-A underscore travels on the story, which means you have to be paying attention to my story. I say, hey guys, recording this week, drop your questions. But also there's a Facebook group that I created. It's called Hard Parking Violations. So you can reach out to me on Facebook, Hard Parking Violations, join the group, join the conversation. We have a good time. Gives you an opportunity to kind of go back and forth with me about miscellaneous things and or Pitch in on ideas and ask questions when I ask you to ask questions. Otherwise, don't ask me anything because I don't feel like talking to you. First question comes from friend of the show, NS Extra. How long into the new Civil War? Chris Cut, NS Extra. I don't know, man. I don't know if I really believe in this whole Civil War shit. Civil horse shit. You see what I did there? I know what just happened in Washington, and, and let's try not to make this political, but I know I know what just happened in Washington, and all that shit is crazy. We are the most privileged country probably in the world, and we're so full of ourselves sometimes. Everybody wants to fight for their right to nothing, in a sense. So we have a society and a culture where if somebody says jump, millions of people say how high, and it doesn't have to be the soon-to-be former president. It could be a pop star. It could be a TV star, reality TV star. If, if the Kardashians say, hey, we hate Starbucks, burn to the ground, everybody needs to storm Starbucks, I guarantee you there will be Starbucks across the country. They get ransacked. People will get attacked. They'll get looted. They'll get burned. If, if What's that stupid? If Cardi B says something, there's so many people out there willing to die for Cardi B. And it's just it's just the world we live in. And the rest of us, the millions of others of us are out there. We're like, okay, well, I voted for candidate A, candidate A won. Okay, good. Or I voted for candidate B, candidate B lost. Eh, it is what it is. Moving forward. I'm just doing my job every day, working, trying to make a little bit of money, trying to do shit with my car. I don't even own a gun. I'm not somewhere packing my musket, boarding up the house, getting ready to go to war. It's not one of those things where my brother... And I don't see eye to eye, so we're going to see each other on the battlefield. We're past that. So I don't think there's going to be a real civil war. But here's the thing. 
this country's been divided a lot longer than many of you even think we have. And none of this shit just was born yesterday. It's always been there. I forgot who I was telling on social media, but it's like, you're in a neighborhood, somebody at the end has a purple fence, you don't like purple fences. But you don't say shit because you know that you can't call them out for having a purple fence. You will be destroyed in the court of public opinion. But as soon as you find out there's other people in the neighborhood who also don't like purple fences, then all of a sudden you all get cocky and you're ready to march down and tell that person and tell everybody with a purple fence that, you know what? I've never liked you along. I, I, this, this whole time I've never, I've never liked you and I've never liked your purple fence. My daddy didn't like purple fences, but back then it was okay. It was okay to say I hate purple fences. But in 2020, 2021, you're not allowed to say that. Well, actually you are now. Because America. So Andy Kugler asks, would you rather join Cobra Kai or Miyagi-Do? Miyagi-Do? Miyagi-Do karate. Karate Kid for people who aren't playing along. I actually have not ever watched the show Cobra Kai. I remember seeing the previews a few years ago and I was like, God dang, that looks pretty funny. It's going to come out. Eh, I should watch it. And I just never got around to it. Modern era, I would probably join Cobra Kai because back then, Cobra Kai was the asshole bad guys. But now, if I understand it correctly, Daniel LaRusso and Mr. Lawrence have kind of a, Johnny Lawrence have kind of a, have kind of a role reversal. So if I recall, just watching the previews, Johnny's kind of down on his luck and he saves some, some kid from getting beat up by some punks and those punks are from Miyagi-Do and he, he just opens up Cobra Kai, so... Role reversal, I'd probably be Cobra Kai, but I actually don't watch the show. And I don't understand the sudden surgence of that show. People are talking about uh, season four. I guess it's coming out. I guess that's the next one. But within the last three weeks, like the Cobra Kai is everywhere. So it's interesting how how stuff kind of catches and just grows in, in today's era of streaming when it's been out there for three years already. Jupiter Fish. Dwayne Johnson up in Michigan asked, what's the worst drive through curbs? Dwayne, everybody, listen close. Every restaurant who has a drive through curb, screw you. I hate drive through curbs. They're bullshit. They should be illegal. They, they're, they're a safety hazard. Are they not? They're a safety hazard for my car. My intersection is, I'm not going over the curb if I bail or I'm tired of waiting. I'm not even going over the curb my wife's Audi. The only thing I can go over the curb is in my SUV, and I'll probably catch something on the bottom and it'll snag, and I'll smell exhaust inside the car because I busted something, and I'll fall asleep at the wheel and crash into the corner and die. Every place that has a curb is the worst drive through. In fact, let me flip this around drive throughs with a curb are the worst. Possum Killer asks, What's your go to comfort food? What is comfort food? What is the meaning of life? What is comfort food? It's food that makes you feel comfortable. Sometimes we associate it with the fall. We associate it with chicken pot pie, shepherd's pie, mounds of gravy on top of something, foods you eat and fall asleep to. But is that really comfort food? What's comforting to you? Let's talk about this. I think for me, and I've said this before, if I'm just out and about, like if I'm going home from work and I'm actually on the job in some other city, I'm on my way to the hotel. I'm going to go to McDonald's if there's one along the way because let's just face it, there usually is a McDonald's along the way no matter where it is you're going. You're going to go get the mail? There's a McDonald's. There's always a McDonald's. 
So I'm going to get chicken nuggets. I'm going to get some sort of dipping sauce. Probably buffalo. And I'm going to get a black medium coffee. And on my way to the hotel, I'm going to kill most of those nuggets. Which means I'm not opening the dipping sauce because I'm driving. I'm going to kill eight of those nuggets, maybe all ten, some of the fries. That way when I go inside, all I have to do is crunch up the bag, stick it in my backpack, take my coffee in, polish it off, go down to the bar and order a drink. Will LS430 could do a theme rather than questions, have people throw random words for ideas. God damn it, Will. I just watched the paper bounce off the laptop, onto the desk, onto my knee, onto my foot, onto the floor. This is called the Q&A segment. I, this is not the suggestion box at your job. I ask for questions for you to submit to the show so I can answer them. I don't care about your opinions on how to make the show worse than it already is. So submit questions, not suggestions. If you have suggestions, you can send me an email at hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. But guess what? Nobody ever uses that email address except for John Chu up in Canada. Sometimes. Sometimes he's in Chicago. But Byron has redeemed Will's ridiculously stupid question. Byron actually asked two questions. And I'm going to get you guys out of here on this. Socks before pants or pants before socks? Seems cut and dry, right? It's not. I think it all depends. Now, I've heard people have a strong opinion on this. And I'm going to say it depends because here's the thing. How many of you have worn the same shit like every day for consecutive days? Especially in 2020 and now in 21. I have, raising my hand. So if I have joggers on, I take the joggers off, lay in bed, wake up in the morning, put the joggers back, back on, brush my teeth, Sometimes make coffee, go to work right across the hall. But if I have somewhere to go, I'm getting up, going, taking a shower. And when I get out of the shower, draws first, socks second, pants third. So it really, it really depends. I hate walking around barefoot. I think that's where that comes from. Always got to have socks. For a few seconds every morning, most times, draws socks like a porno or something. Last question, what old feature do you miss in modern cars? Now, Byron, I gave I gave Byron shit for this question a little bit on Facebook. Because I'm not that old, am I? I'll be 45 soon. But I'm not that old. But I thought about it. I said, you know what I miss? I miss the cigarette lighters. I miss the functional cigarette lighters. Because now there's like a little dummy spot. And no one uses it for cigarette lighters. You use it for power. If for some weird fucking reason you don't have a USB or USB-C, or whatever. But I miss that. I miss pushing that little button in and waiting for it to pop out. And then you grab it and you look at it. And then you're not satisfied, so you push it back in. But you have to hold it in this time because it's triggered to come out when it gets to a certain temperature. But you just hold it in with your thumb, and then you pull it out when you're ready. And you look at it, and there's something calming about that glow, that red glow of staring at that burner that for some reason looks like it's someone's fingerprint. It's like the same fingerprint pattern. But then you find things, like you find a receipt laying around or a little piece of plastic or whatever you can get your hands on, and you stick it on the burner because there's something calming about the slow burn of paper, right? I'm right, aren't I? And then you stick it back in there. Or if you're really sick, you grab a, a toy. And I understand you're a kid. 
grab a toy and you try to like burn, burn like an action figure's face or their hand or some shit. Yeah, I got problems. Anyway, that's the Q and A segment. I just talked to Billy Johnson a couple days ago. So professional race car driver, Billy Johnson will be competing in the 24 hour of Daytona coming up at the end of January. So I want to hurry up and get that one out there for you. So you can kind of hear what he's talking about, sharing some of his excitement. He'll be driving a Mercedes AMG GT three on behalf of Allegra Motorsports. So that will be out on hard parking, the other side of the wheel, which will post January 25th, the morning of. So make sure you guys check that out. Need to think right Honda out of Scottsdale, Arizona, higher quality detail, Kuya automotive, intersex channel, tongue treats.com, booster bath and four wheel online. I would ask you guys follow the podcast, but you're already following it. But please, I, I keep telling you this, rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it. If it has the ability to do that, leave a review. If you're listening on Apple, Apple Pod Center, you absolutely can leave a review. This helps a lot. It helps a lot. You know, I ranked like in Ireland last week, but usually I'm out of the top 250 automotive podcasts in the United States. Come on, guys, you're fucking killing me. I can't grow unless you tell everybody how good the show is. If the show isn't any good, let me get the sympathy reviews. Let me get the sympathy ratings. Hook a brother up. You can follow me on Instagram at NA2NSX or JTravels, J-H-A-E underscore travels. Join the Facebook page, Hard Parking Violations, or you can find Hard Parking Podcast, like the page, and then do the Hard Parking Violations. We have a Patreon. I told you guys I'm going to take care of you. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash hard parking podcast, you can join the Patreon. That's where there's extra content available. One of the things that I do for extra content is I actually record my conversations with my guests before the segment starts. So you get to hear some of the setup, some of the fun back and forth, just some of the miscellaneous shit. And all that's going to be available on the Patreon. There's also extra footage for the videos on the YouTube channel. Again, guys, please follow me on YouTube. I don't care if you watch the videos or not. Actually, I do care if you watch the videos, but I still need subscribers too. So tell your friends, like, what, what, what do I got to do? I give you a referral bonus. But for those of you who take care of me, I'm going to take care of you. I just spent a lot of money on some cool things and I just got shipping notification. So a few of you on the Patreon side are going to get some really cool things from me. From me to you and also top tier sponsors might get hooked up as well but you know that's all i got guys i'll catch you next week again billy johnson on the next show special thanks to john watts for joining this show let's do this let's grow the scene together Are you tired of blowing out your back at the bathtub while washing your dog or subjecting your canine to a water torture bath while leashed up to a post outside? Now there's a far more effective way to wash your pet while saving your back and keeping your dog happy. It's called Booster Bath, a portable bathtub on legs. Head over to BoosterBath.com, one word, and pick one up. Available in three sizes, this tub system features a drain, a soap cubby, and water controlling wand. This tub conveniently breaks down to be stored when not in use. Want to save 10% on your first time purchase? Head over and sign up today to make that happen. Boosterbath.com Are you tired of your dog losing its cool in a thunderstorm or fireworks? You might want to look at tongue treats. Tongue treats.com High anxiety relief, pain relief, inflammation relief. 
It's a direct connection between the tongue and the brain, doesn't waste time going down to the stomach, where it gets broken down, enters the bloodstream, then to the brain eventually. By then, little Izzy, my dog, has been hiding under the house for like 20 minutes. The Tongue Treat CBD strips provide rapid results for your pet with the right amount of CBD, which is not psychoactive. It's important to test and verify your pet is getting the proper dosage. A single strip should be enough. Have doubts? There's certified analysis from a lab available on the website. Think about it, efficacy and economy, tongue treats.